I, um, I don't feel God's finished with our hearts <laughs> with working in obedience. And I know worship is an act of obedience too. But I really feel, just to hear what the Spirit is saying and to respond to that, I think, you know, I think of Naaman, think of that, that general, because that's what he was. He was a commander of, of armies. He was, I think, one of the top generals, I think it was. And, and imagine what, what it was for him to get a, a little servant girl to come and tell him to go and dip into the river seven times. And uh, it must have something of humbling. Just think of it. You're a general in the army. You're having to take off your, your suit, your medals, all those things that categorize you for who you are, and you've been obedient to a little servant girl. <laughs> That's how God works. And, uh, and this morning, I, I don't come with wise and eloquent words. I don't come with, with my knowledge. I, I you know, it's, it's really the, it's the Word of God that I want to speak today, but, but I'm trusting the Holy Spirit's going to speak. Um, and so I just want to do that in obedience to Him. And so I want to, I feel God stirring us in faith this morning. Uh, I don't know if you felt that. I, I felt that even at the prayer meeting, God wants to just stir our faith, stir our faith up. And you don't need to be a prophet or a, a person with discernment to know that as a church, we've been going through a lot of trials. And, uh, I mean, we know that, hey? Am I right? As a whole, I know with Benji, I know just with Casey, I know with even Bob getting sick. Uh, Bob had uh, pneumonia and just, I mean, what is this? It's like these attacks, you know, and they're there and it's, it's serious and it's real. And yet I feel the Lord saying, stir up the faith in all of this and uh, and so that's what I want to really share this morning. Because, you know, the thing about our Christian faith, it isn't just, it's not something static. You know, it's not just, an, it's not a noun, you know, our faith. It's not like, you know, if you ever go to the airport, they say, well, well what, what faith are you? I'm, a Christ, I'm of Christian faith. You've got to tick that box, or, which means I'm not a Muslim faith or a Hindu faith. You know, it's kind of like a noun. It's static. It's not something active. But, but you know, our faith isn't static. It isn't something that's, you know, I made a decision to follow Jesus, and then after making that decision, I just try and be a good person. No, it's, it's from that place of that first act of obedience, God, I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and everything I do from now on, as I, as I behold you, I'm going to act and respond in obedience to you from now on, and it's a constantly walking in faith. Okay, so it's not a once-off, it's a constant thing now, that we live in faith. And, uh, and these trials and tribulations that come our way is to help us remind us that this is a, an act of faith that we walk in, and it's a daily thing. And uh, I'm just reminded of, of when Paul spoke to the Galatians. You can just maybe just turn there for me, Alicia. Just, it says, Oh, you foolish Galatians who bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, uh, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, 
does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? And this part I want to highlight. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now notice that verse 6. I just want to say, it doesn't say just because Abraham believed in God. You know, Abraham didn't make this one decision, okay, I believe in God, now I'm going to do my works. Paul's saying, just as Abraham believed God. Do you, do you see? It's like a present tense. It's a, it's a constant, this is a, this is a now thing. Abraham believes me. And, 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 and Paul's reminding them, the church in Galatians, you started in the Spirit, you started with faith, and you trusted me. It's almost like, God, I'm trusting you, I, I feel you've called me to take this step, and I take it, yes, it was the Lord. And the next step, it's, Yes, it's the Lord. And, you, you, and then all of a sudden, it's just, I presume this is the Lord. I'm just going to walk my way. And Paul said, what are you doing? You, you started with that anticipation of, of hearing me and, and responding in the, in the Spirit. Now, all of a sudden, you're, just, you're, doing, you're going through all the good things. You're, doing all the, you're going through the motions, but you're not really dependent on me. You're presuming, and you're running in the flesh. And I never want us to be like that as a church. You know, guys, we, we, can, we can be a well-oiled machine. Hey? <laughs> it's so easy to, to fall into that trap. And we can have our, our Sunday mornings and our worship and our act. Everything can be done in step, in, in, in an order. But it can also be in the order of flesh. And, 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 and what Paul's warning them, don't be dependent on the flesh. The moment you do that, you're not trusting me. And so I never want us to become a place where it's because this is the Josh Jane way, <laughs> you know, it's, it's no, we've got to be hearing the Spirit. What does the Spirit have to say? And it's responding to him at that revelation that Paul brings. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 7, he says, we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith. Think of that. We walk by faith and not by sight. But you know, our faith needs to be tested. These trials that we go through, they've got to come. Why? Because it's a testing of our faith. It's like, it's, think of it, it's in the hardships, it's in the trials, it's in the persecution that we hear God, that we listen for Him. You know, someone once said, you know, God whispers in our pleasures and He shouts in our pain. I mean, when things are going right, you're not keeping your earlobe to the, to the Lord to hear what you need to know. Am I right? If things are going well, and you kind of you're not really listening as well as you do when you're in pain, when you're in suffering, when you're in persecution, you you really want to go, God. What do you want me to know right now? What do you want me to experience? What do you want me to see that? Because I need to know. I'm in pain. I'm in suffering, and I need to know. And that's what what it does. <clears throat> and I love the way Peter brings it because. I want, to, I want to share from, from 2 Peter 1, and I'm going to go from 1 to 8. But he says this. <laughs> You're looking for it still. Well, from verse 1, it says, We have obtained like precious faith. Now, I want to say this. This is something Peter's saying. Um. We have obtained like a precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and the Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, Peter's making a claim here. He's saying our faith is precious. Okay, notice this. We have a precious faith. He didn't say we have a precious body. He's saying we've got a precious faith. And, and, and Peter's looking at this. You know, 
Because I know I, we put a lot of emphasis in our bodies, don't we? I mean, think of it. We, we put perfume in it. We spray deodorant in the mornings. We brush our teeth. We put nice jewelry on. We look good. That's what we do for our bodies. We treat it with nice treats, food. Take it to a restaurant. We take it on holiday. We let it lavishly enjoy the luxuries that come with that. The body. It's all about the body. <laughs> and, but what Peter's saying is it's, that's not the preciousness. Your faith is what's precious to the Lord. Now, you might say, well, Benny, isn't my body not important? Yeah, it is important. But it's not the preciousness that, that is the focus. Your body is a temple of God. So, yes, steward it well. Keep it fit. Keep it active. My wife's been moaning at me because I haven't been doing that lately. But because it's a temple of God, and it's a good way to witness to people. It's a good way to, to, to express that witness is through our bodies. But it's not the preciousness. It's not that thing that God says, that's... Because let's face it, all of us are going to die one day. Our bodies are fading. You teenagers, enjoy your looks. Enjoy your healthy-looking... Your muscles and all of those things. But one day, when you turn 40, <laughs> the possibility... It took me a long time to get this body, huh? But, it, but it's going to happen... Those things are going to fade. But that's not what's precious. It's your faith. That's why Paul says, you know, a bit of physical exercise profits a little bit, but spiritual exercise, that's what profits for eternity. That's, that's what really counts. And, uh, and so when Peter writes this thing of this preciousness of your faith, I'm sure he must have been thinking back when Jesus said to him, you know, Peter, and he said in Luke twenty two thirty one, 31, he says, Peter, Satan wants to sift you like wheat. That's what he said to him. And Jesus says, but you know what? I prayed for God's head of protection around you. I prayed for your, that your comforts, your house is all okay. You know, he says, no, I prayed for your faith. Why? Because that's what's precious to the Lord, your faith. Now, am I saying the other things aren't important? Yes, of course. That's why we're praying. That's why we intercede. For, for, for Benji. Those things are important. We want to pray for him. We want to pray that God hears our cries and that he can heal and we can stand in faith and believe that. But ultimately, God is concerned about the faith that we have in him. Do you, do you get it? Do you, do you understand that? Because Peter's penning these words and he's thinking back on that. I remember Jesus said he prayed for my faith. Satan, Satan wants to sift me. But you know what the amazing thing is? God uses him to produce something good in me, even the sifting that he brings, even when those things come and Satan wants to use it. You know, Satan is just an instrument of the Lord. He, God allows it to happen in his sovereignty, in his, God is over everything. He is transcendent. And that's the amazing thing is when we put our faith in him, we put our faith on someone who's beyond even Satan. And so, so Peter says this, says this from, and I want to carry on reading that verse. It says that, uh, uh, the righteousness of God, Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace multiply to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as a divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us an exceedingly great and precious promise that through these you may be partakers of a divine nature 
having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, but also for this very reason, giving, now listen to this, give all diligence, now add to your faith. So, so Peter's going to go and he's going to start saying what we must do with our faith, because our faith, remember, is precious. So when something's precious, you want to look after it, you want to care for it, you want to nurture it, you want to do everything for this thing, because it's precious. And so Peter says, well, look, if you're going to nurture it, if you're going to grow it, if you're going to harness it, you're going to make it into what God has called us, this is what you've got to do on that faith. And then he says, um, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these are yours and abounding, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to focus on all those things that, that Peter spoke about, because I know Chad shared on it not too long ago, actually, and he spoke about those things. But I'm just here to remind you, as we add to our faith, as we nurture it, as we cultivate it, it should be in obedience to those things. Do you get it? And from that place... Peter's saying, now, if, you, if you're beating in your faith, it's going to be fruitful. Do you know that? If we are living in faith, we will be fruitful. Okay, if we are not bearing fruit, then I question whether we have faith. And that's important. And faith, when I talk about fruit, I'm not just talking about our character. Yes, it does mention, but faith is also bringing people to the Lord. It's my faith that stirs me to, to want to go and preach the gospel, to bring others in, because this is the faith that's in me. And, uh, yeah, so I just felt our faith has to, in order for our faith to be real, it needs to be demonstrated that we are witnesses of Jesus. Our faith demonstrates that witness. Think of it. Um, faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence of not, things not seen. Now, we don't hope for anything that this world can offer. My hope is not here. And if I'm going to be a true witness of Jesus, I can't have my affections here. People aren't going to, I'm not going to stand out to people saying, you know, why have you got a joy? I mean, if I've got the joy that's circumstantial, if I've got a hope that's circumstantial, I'm no different to the world. Am I right? If it's circumstantial. I mean, think of it. If I look at politics at the moment, man, I'm going to be down because you can see the corruption there or on ESCOM, man, whatever. I mean, think of it. Everything, this world is dying. But my hope is not on those affections. In fact, in 1 Peter 3.15, he says, always be ready to give a defense if anybody asks you for the hope that you have. Now, someone, no one's going to ask you for the hope that you have if your hope is the same as everybody else's hope. But our hope is eternal. The Bible says our hope is something which is anchored behind the veil. It's, it's something that's that's eternal. It's not on what's here. And so when your hope is, is unconditional, when, when your joy is unconditional, people will, you'll begin to stand up because people are going to say, well, hey, Sean, well, why are you so full of joy? Don't you know we've got load shedding just now, you know? No, his joy is not on you. He knows this, but his joy is eternal. And so we've got to look at it like that, church. We can't be a people that just preach. You know, I, I know a lot of guys that like to preach, oh, this world is dying, and that's where our focus is. Yes, we know that. But we should have a joy that 
that our hope is eternal, that we're not focused on those things. If we're going to be a witness, we've got to witness Jesus on the eternal things that, you know, we, we've been singing, our affection, our devotion. Where is it? On Jesus. You know, Luke, Luke 21, let's go there quickly. Did I give you that one? Uh, Luke 21 from 25 to 28. It says here, And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring. Listen here. It says men's hearts failing them. People could have heart attacks like you can't believe. I think (laughs) it's going to be heavy in those days. Your hospitals are probably going to be full. It says, And the falling from fear of expectation of those things which are coming on the earth. For the power of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in the cloud, power and great glory. Now, when these things begin to happen, okay, so they will happen. If someone can just push that button. Thanks, Martins. When these things begin to happen, okay, so God's telling you it's going to happen, all right? Look up. Why? And lift your heads up because your redemption draws near. So Jesus is saying, when these things happen, I mean, there's signs, there's persecution, things are happening, people are dying. He says, don't, don't look up. It's a prophetic act that Jesus is saying, when these things happen, don't look at those things. I mean, we're not denying those things. They're real. But Jesus says, lift your head up. It's a prophetic thing. My gaze is upon Jesus. My affection is upon him. Lift your head up because he is coming and your redemption is near. Now, I don't think we understand that fully because... I, I'm not totally redeemed in the sense that I'm still, I'm still bound to, to the physicality of, of where I am. But there's going to come a day where I'm totally redeemed from sin. Sin will not have a pull, will not have a hold, it will not lead to death. Think of that day where you're free of everything that comes with sin. And Jesus said, keep that as your anticipation, Peter's saying. I remember running a race, and I, I want to say this because Jesus said, will he find faith on that day? Will he find faith? So are we going to be ready when those things happen? It's like, will you still have faith in your, in your hands? Will you still have faith that you're willing to pass it on to the next guy that he runs? Think about a relay race. I remember telling you guys, I think, I, I don't know if I told the story, but I remember running a relay race where I was the starter, and I ran, and uh, I think I was... I was a matric, we stand a nine, run about there. But our team was really fast and we were running. Huh? And the amazing thing is, I started off and as I ran the first, I took the first straight. But when I got close to handing the, the baton over, I left the other guy probably about 20 meters away. So he was quite far from the next guy. So we were way ahead of everybody else. And I remember handing that baton to the next guy. But as I handed it, I actually misjudged his hand. He's, he's, you know, part of the training is you don't look back. You actually mean to look forward. And the next guy that's meant to put it in your hand, he's meant to. And something happened. I, I think I tripped and I, I kind of missed him. And as I handed that baton, it kind of landed on the floor. And I, as I, it happened, I, I remember falling. And it was one of those gravel tracks. I don't know if you know, if you ever ran on those gravel. But like, all the gravel had gotten in my hands. I just like slid on the floor for about 10 meters, but, and in my knees and everything. And I, I just remember saying, I said to the guy, listen, 
look at me. You go and fetch the baton. I'm not getting up now. You know, I'm just, you can, I mean, we're way ahead of everybody else. Just take the baton and go. And he ran, and the next guy got it, the next guy, until they got the last straight. We, we won that race so far ahead of everybody else. And I, even with that fall, we were so good. And I remember the umpire saying, your team is disqualified. And I'm thinking, well, why? We, we were way ahead of everybody. No, you didn't hand that baton over. He picked it up, yes, but you didn't put it in his hand. And you know, it's one of those days that you always look back with regret and you think, why did I just not do it? You know what I mean? We were such a good team. We were so strong. You know, it's like, you ever have those regrets that you just look back, man, we were disqualified. And you know, it kind of makes me think because, you know, God's called us and Jesus saying, will I find faith when I come back? In a sense, it's, People have passed on the baton of faith to you and I. Did you know that? If there wasn't obedience, think of it. If the disciples weren't obedient, you and I wouldn't have this baton. If they wouldn't respond to the Spirit and bring us the Scriptures and, and bring our churches, we wouldn't be here. Someone handed the baton to us till this day, and we're running with it. You and I have the baton of faith. So I want to ask, if Jesus said, if I come back on the last days, will I find that baton of faith in your hands? And are you ready to pass it to the next guy that he can run with it? It's kind of, it's kind of that picture that he's, that he's painting for us. And I, if you, and I love, if you really want to know about faith, just go and read Hebrews. Huh? Hebrews is such an amazing book on faith, isn't it? I mean, I was reading Hebrews 11, 12. No one really knows who wrote Hebrews. The funny thing is, some say Barnabas, some say Paul, some say Luke. Even one guy even says Priscilla. And I thought about it. I thought maybe there's some truth to that. And, I, and I'll say Priscilla, not, not from a theological perspective, more from a logical one. Because when you get to chapter 13, um, I think it's verse 22, it says, I write to you in a few words. Now, when someone gets to chapter 13 and says there's a few words, you know, this might be a woman. <laughs> No, I'm just joking. I say that because Lauren was, um, we used to correspond in our relationships. We, you know, we, I stayed, she stayed in Peter Maritzburg and I stayed in Secunda. So we just corresponded with letters. We didn't have to call more WhatsApps and all those things. It was letters. And uh, I would send her my letter and I'd get back like 20 letters, 20 pages. You know, and I'd just send her one, you know, that kind of thing. And, and like, how can you write so much? We, we, we haven't written for like a week there's so much activity that happens in that time. But that's just the difference between men and women. So that's why I say Hebrews, possibility, Priscilla. I won't throw it away. <laughs> but I love chapter 12 because it says, Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by such great crowd of lit witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us. Now, I love the fact that it says we have a great crowd of witnesses. Notice it's not a great crowd of spectators. What's the difference between these guys and spectators? These guys have run the race. Okay, they know what you and I are going through. They've, they've, they've had probably hard, harder times than you and I have, most of them, the prophets especially. They've had persecution. And so they're shouting from that that grandstand, but not from a place of a spectator. Hey, listen, I, I, you know, like people spectate, you know, it's like you, you can so easily criticize where the players are going wrong, like when they're playing, who did we play, Italy, or, you know, 
or Ireland. I mean, it's so easy to criticize. I mean, that's Ireland. Come on, you know. <laughs> and uh, we could criticize that from the, from the sideline. But these guys are not from that place. They, they, they're saying, look, I've been there. I understand what you're going through. And, they stay, and, and, and they, they're looking from that place. Think of it. That, that word, um, it says we're a great crowd of witnesses. That word witness is actually the same word they use for martyrs. Since we're surrounded by such a great crowd of martyrs, people that have gone through the persecution, they're shining at us and saying, go for it. And they, they, think of it from their perspective. Think of it in the Old Testament. It says they never had what we had. They only saw the promise of Jesus from afar. They never had the full redemption that you and I have had. You know, that, that place where their sins weren't totally covered. Remember, they, they would bring the old covenant was that they would bring a sacrifice and only covered them for a year. You know, because Hebrews are so beautiful in painting this picture of why Jesus was so much better. And so they're looking from a perspective of saying, listen, guys, you've got what we didn't have. We're not criticizing, but we, you've got what we didn't have. So run the race, man, and, and lay aside every weight and sin because your sins are totally forgiven. Unlike our sins that was only covered for a year by the priest, and if that priest was good, and if he did the sacrificial act properly, and if he himself was clean enough, and if that sacrifice was good enough, then for that year, yes, we were covered. But only for that year. Think of it. Think of the weights that these guys had that you and I don't have. And think of it, if things messed up, man, imagine what it must have been for you for that year. You were, what's the good word for stuffed? You were messed. I'm not being horrible, but you were, you were in trouble. Because think of it. For a year, your sins were not covered. And with that, you know, the, the Bible clearly states, you know, if you do what I tell you to do, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you'll be cursed. So under that year, if your sins weren't covered, you were under a curse. That's heavy. And these guys are saying to you and I, listen, run, you don't have what we have. You're not in, don't be entangled by sin and weights. You don't need them. You can run so much further, higher, wider than we could. But we have a better witness than just them. We have the Holy Spirit. And He's the one who witnesses with us. And I love Romans 8.16. It says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. He bears witness. And you know the amazing thing is Jesus has been there too. He has been the martyr for us. He's the one who, who took upon our sins for Himself. And He hung on the cross. And He died for you and I. And that's why He can become the interceding high priest for you and I. Bible says he's at the finish. He's the author and the finisher of our faith, of our race. Did you know that? Jesus is the author and the finisher. And so let's lay aside every weight and sin. Let's run this race as if to win. And we run, we understand that's a race of endurance, looking unto Jesus. And that's why Paul could say, run the race to win. These guys, think of it, they couldn't, they could never get to the to the end straight. Remember what I said? I, I was like at the beginning of the, the, the relay race. These guys were probably the beginning. You know, they were handing the baton. But they don't get to see what we, do, we, we see. They don't get to see us. They can just see us getting to the finish line through Jesus because he completed the work. Isn't that amazing, hey? And they, they're shouting from that side of the, of the field. So I love, I, I love the picture that, that is painted. But Romans 8 verses 1 to 4, I just want to read that. Because these guys understood what, we didn't, what they didn't have. 
And it says, for what the law could not do, that it was weak in the flesh, God did by sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, He condemns sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Do you see the importance of us walking in the Spirit, church? We can't be just going through the motions. We have to be walking in the Spirit. We've got to be hearing what the Spirit has to say. Jesus stands at the door and He knocks at His church. He knocks at the door because He wants to come in. And he wants to speak with us. He wants to dine with us. He wants to meet with us. Are we listening? Are we, are we hearing Him? And Jesus was so much better. I mean, Hebrews says that He was better than the angels, better than the prophets. He was better than Moses. He was a better priesthood. It was a better covenant. It was better blood. It wasn't the blood of bulls and calves and sheep. And it was the blood of Christ himself, a spotless blood. And, uh, and so we can run. You know, the, the amazing thing is I've, I've been reading this is that, you know, the law, the Bible says the law was only a shadow of what was to come. Think of it. It was only a shadow. It wasn't the real deal. I don't know about you, but have you ever seen a shadow? But that's all you can do about a shadow is you can observe it. <laughs> Think of it. What can you do with a shadow? Philippians 3.12 says this, Not that you have already attained it or already be made perfect, but I press on that I may lay a hold of that which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended it, but one thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead. And I press towards the goal of the upward call. You know, the amazing thing about shadows is that they're just there. They're just a shadow that you can observe. But you know, Paul's saying, yeah, but I, I press on. I lay a hold. Unlike a shadow, you can't lay a hold of a shadow. Paul's saying, I can lay a hold of Jesus. And so Jesus becomes a, a clear representation of what the shadow was. That's why I never understand, especially, and I, I don't want to be but there's maybe some of you are caught in like things like Jewish roots. And I'm thinking, why? Because the Jesus has come. You don't need to observe the shadow. It's like, it's like trying to ride your car and, and riding reverse with the rear view mirror, you know? Why? Because you can just go forward. Jesus is here. The real deal has come. There's no need for an observation of the past. Of the shadows. Yes, those things pointed us to Jesus, and so we do go back to the Old Testament to look at how those things pointed to Jesus, but still we look at Jesus ultimately. We don't look at the shadows of observance. That's why Paul says, you know what? Your new moons, your Sabbaths, your festivals, everything has been crucified to the cross, and so we don't need to observe them anymore. That's what Paul says. And people that observe things and say, well, we need to go back to this, 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 is it Christ plus something or is it Christ? Which one? So we need to walk in obedience to Christ. And I, I love Hebrews. It says Jesus is better. Really, if, if, if that could be the heading for Hebrews, it should have been that. You know? Jesus is better. He's better than the old covenant. He's better than everything else that we have. And so this morning, I want to end there, but I, wanna, I really want to encourage us this morning to lay a hold, to grab a hold of that faith that God has given us. It's not a once-off thing, church. It's something we've got to hold constantly because the enemy is going to try and steal that baton from you. And you know, like me in that race, 
We were far ahead of everybody else. We were the best. But you know what? It didn't matter when you were disqualified. And you can run your own race. You can run in your own strength. And you can do everything that just makes you stand out to the world. And the world's point of view, you are the best. But let me tell you, if you do not have that baton of faith, Jesus comes back, you're disqualified. Without him, without faith in him, you're disqualified. And so I want to encourage you guys this week, even this week, ask the Lord to, there's areas you know, in your life that you feel that, you know, God, I feel you stretching me, but I, the, whole, the whole point of this morning, hey, was an act of, of obedience. Am I right, Daniel? Hey, that's been this morning, breaking up with alabaster jars, being of obedience. And so I feel, just as an act of prophetic, I, I really feel for us to respond to that. This week, God, where have I been disobedient to you? Where have I not been listening to the Spirit? Where have I been walking just in my everyday life, my, my walk, my rituals, my, you know, going through the motions? Where have I been doing that? But, but I haven't been listening to your Spirit. You know, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. If Jesus is the example, how much more should we be hearing what the Father's doing and saying to us? So I want to challenge you this week. I know we don't hear everything. We don't listen. We run in the flesh many times. And so I want to encourage you this week, challenge yourself. Bring yourself before the Lord. Say, God, where am I not listening? Where are you calling me to that I haven't been stepping in obedience to that? And like Abraham, who didn't just believe in God, he believed God. It's a difference. Now I want to ask, so let, let me ask this question to end it this morning, what do you believe God for now? Not what did you believe, what do you believe God for? If we call to an act of obedience now, there needs to be a hearing what the Spirit is saying. Am I right? Otherwise, how do you, how do you respond in faith, in obedience to that? Good, good question to ask. And so this morning, I want to ask you, what is God saying for you now? What is he calling you to obedience to now?